Most Wi-Fi network names lack flair. They're called Netgear 775 or something equally dull. But there are always exceptions. A few years ago, I was amused after seeing that someone in my apartment complex had named their network Balls Against Your Face. But the childish delight that discovery brought me pales in comparison to what Heather Lexi gained after making a similar observation about her next door neighbor. His Wi-Fi shows up and it says erotic entertainment penthouse. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. After some online sleuthing, she realized her neighbor was porn star Eric John, the CEO of Erotic Entertainment. She also realized that she herself had become one of porn's most enduring and beloved tropes. I am literally the girl next door. Most people would probably just gossip with their friends about their new porn star neighbor, but Heather isn't most people. Prior to this, she had spent some time as a cam girl and had even considered entering the mainstream porn business. But she had no connection to that world. Until suddenly she did. Fast forward three months. We invited him over to a party uh, at my house, and we basically hung out with my cats and talked about the industry for a while. So that was good. We got into some long conversations that first night. Shortly after that, she shot her first professional porn scene. Now, just nine months later, she is president of Eric John's company, Eratik Entertainment. And she could not be happier about it. I really like the open conversation and just fun around sexuality. I like everyone that I've met pretty much in the industry, and all the fans are really cool. It's just a really nice vibe, and it's refreshing to not have such a closed-minded perception of sexuality. She also enjoys shooting, and one scene in particular came to mind when we got onto the topic of personal highlights. The scene that we shot with Eric John and four girls, so... It was me and three other awesome performers, and that was really fantastic. Yeah, there was Angel Smalls, Nikki Next, and Trillium. She's super cute. She makes me blush. So we did a scene together, and that was pretty intense because it really was a 90-minute long, fivesome, orgy-type scene. And it, yeah, that was epic. And it was all live. Most of the work she does is through Erotic TV Live. And she does 90-minute or even longer boy-girl scenes, though sometimes she apparently does boy-girl-girl-girl-girl shows as well. If you do a long scene like that and it's all on live, you know, you're really engaging with people and you're engaging with that other performer with no breaks. So everything that happens is very organic. If you're shooting a, a two-hour scene, do you ever get bored? That, that feels like a long time. It really is, but we switch it up. So we go through all sorts of good positions. We do oral. We, you know, pause in the middle and we're like, okay, and now? <laughs> is there a snack break? Occasionally there's a snack break. Occasionally there's a coffee break. I'm often naked eating a snack. Yeah, you know, you got to kind of roll with it. But we go through everything because really you can't do just one thing for a very long time. I spoke to Heather at the 2016 Avian Expo. In the days leading up to the 2016 AVN Awards, hundreds of porn industry professionals like Heather filed into the convention center at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas to network, meet fans, and interact with the media. I had the privilege of attending the awards ceremony and interviewing dozens of people during the four-day AVN Expo. Some of the folks I talked to have been in the industry for a decade or more, 
but there were a few others like Heather with less than a year of experience. And the newest newbie of them all was Farrah Valentine. How many days have you been in the industry at this point? 22. <laughs> and it's my birthday, so that makes it even better. <laughs> How old are you turning? 22. <laughs> She picked the name Farah as an homage to arguably the second most famous person I spoke to at the expo, Farah Abraham. You may know Ms. Abraham from her many appearances on reality shows like Teen Mom, Celebrity Big Brother, and Botched. You may also know her from her X-rated performances in Farah Superstar, Backdoor Teen Mom, and Farah 2, Backdoor and More. She was at the expo promoting her new webcamming platform. Ferris Friends Live is a webcam site that I own, and it's me and my friends, and they're making money, and that's Friends with Benefits at its finest. My conversation with Farrah was brief, partially because my line of questioning annoyed her a little bit. You're silly. Have a good night. But you'll have to stick around to learn how I annoyed America's backdoor sweetheart. I mentioned she's the second most famous person I talked to at the expo, the most famous was this guy. Hi, I'm Ron Jeremy. You're listening to Sex with Traders. I'm pretty sure he said Sex with Traders. Sex with Traders. I guess that's closer to the first title he thought I said, which I believe was Sex with Trevors. Sex with Trevors? Sex with Strangers. Okay. I'm not going to say Ron Jeremy was too intoxicated for an interview, because that could be considered slanderous. But if you had to spend hours on end at a convention posing for pictures with a steady line of complete strangers, you two would probably prefer to do so after a cocktail or 20. So Ron gets zero judgment from me. I'm also grateful to Mr. Jeremy for giving me two wonderful spin-off ideas. Sex with Trevor's, where I talk about the sex lives of people named Trevor. <laughs> And Sex with Traitors, which would somehow relate to treason, I imagine. But getting back on topic, most of the performers featured in this episode aren't household names. They are hardworking porn professionals with fascinating things to say about the current state of adult entertainment. You'll also hear from people representing porn studios and other companies promoting products at the expo, including some real wacky characters. I am Dr. Bender over. One of the huge trends at the expo was virtual reality technology. Shayla, who you probably remember from the Iceland episode, joined me in putting on virtual reality headsets and watching VR porn for the sake of science. On a scale of one to 10, how turned on are you right now? I would say a good five. This is good stuff. This episode will also feature a little audio from the AVN Awards show, which is widely seen as... The Oscars of porn. And in many ways, it felt like your typical award show. Clever title of the year. That rapper destroyed my crapper. Welcome to episode... 22. <laughs> of... Sex with... Strangers. You hear that, Ron? Sex with Strangers. I'm your host, Chris Soa, a.k.a. Dr. Bender over. Please stick around. The first person I spoke to at the AVN Expo goes by the name 
Maserati Triple X. The Triple X part of her name is crucial because... I am not a car, I'm a person who likes to show her vagina and her tits on camera. She also likes to watch her colleagues show their vaginas and tits on camera. Here she is sharing her personal highlight from this year's expo. Meeting and seeing people that I've been spanking to for a long time. Can I say spank if I'm a girl? Flicking my bean to for a long time. <laughs> so it's really exciting. Um, I just walked by Asia Kira and I almost like tripped over my heels. I'm nervous as shit to go say hi to her. I think I'm gonna stay over here. Hopefully she notices my boobs and says hi to me and then we'll become friends and then maybe more than friends. But you know, that's like my mind. <laughs> I have a feeling Ms. Akira noticed Maserati Triple X's boobs because it would have been difficult not to, to be honest. She believes they are a size 36K, and that's K as in... Killer boobs. <laughs> K for killer monstrous tits. They might be bigger, though. I haven't gotten them sized, so they may be a lot bigger than what I'm saying, but as far as I know, they're K. And yes, they are naturally that big. Maserati Triple X joined the industry four years ago after messaging one of her favorite performers about getting into porn. In the beginning, she worked with agencies and studios, but she has since gone independent after launching ClubMaseratiXXX.com. I prefer working for myself than for agencies. Not talking down on any agencies that I've worked for, any companies that, have, that I have worked for. I enjoy them, but I'm glad that I can now have a name for myself, that I've built a name for myself, and I can just work for myself. I shoot everything, I edit everything, everything goes up on my own, so it's pretty much just my personal site. So if you like what I like, I love girls with big booties, I love girls with big tits, including myself. <laughs> I love myself. So um, I pretty much produce what I like, and if you like it, you can come join too. If you are a big boob guy, like not a guy with big boobs, but a guy who loves big boobs. And how about a guy with big boobs who loves big boobs? They're that as well, that as well. I mostly do girl-girl stuff and a lot of solo stuff. You can find a lot of that on there, but they're all raunchy and all hot and all just mega bouncy and busty. <laughs> the next person I spoke to, Nikki Knightley, is in a very different place in her career than our girl Maserati. She doesn't have a website up yet, but her agency, Next Level Talent, which represents some of the biggest names in the industry, is going to help her create a personal site. She's only been making porn for about a year, but she's already building a name for herself, and she seems to be having a great time doing it. I really like scenes with more than one guy. Those are really fun. Or just group sex in general is a lot of fun. Is just sort of like a fantasy girls? Yeah, I mean, it's just fun hooking up with a bunch of other hot people, like girls, guys, I don't know, it's just it's fun. It's fun watching people fuck each other. Like, I've really grown to love the industry a lot. Like a lot of performers at the expo, Nikki was splitting her time between a few booths. In addition to appearing at her agency's booth. There's another guy who just has like a private booth. He like printed up a couple of different uh, images of me and is like selling them and giving me a cut of it. So So did he just sort of email you and say, hey, I want to sell your image? Yeah, he do, I guess he does it for a bunch of chicks and like kind of helps like promote them. And I was like, ah, fuck it, why not? Was that surprising? Yeah, it was. It was kind of nice. Nikki is still struggling to wrap her mind around the fact that she has fans around the world and that... This random dude at the expo could make money selling pictures of her. It's surreal. It's, it's kind of a trip. I don't know. It's definitely a mindfuck. 
<laughs> she's also still trying to figure out how to react when she's recognized on the street. Some people are just like, I've, I know you from somewhere. You look really familiar. Like, what is you? And then they'll like ask me and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, it depends on how I answer, but. I just have one of those faces. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling Nikki Knightley is going to be a huge star. You can find a link to a profile of her done by the folks at Fleshbot this past June at sexwithstrangersshow.com. But right now, Nikki's still building her name, and she's not shooting as much as she'd like to. So she supplements her income by webcamming. I spoke with her at a booth for Live Jasmine, which is widely seen as the biggest name in the booming webcam industry. Some of its closest competitors, including Chatterbait, MyFreeCams, and I'mLive.com, also had gigantic, prominent booths at the expo. Chatterbait, in particular, appeared to be both the expo's and the award ceremony's leading sponsor. The name Chatterbait was plastered everywhere, and I think its ubiquity says a great deal about the current state of the porn industry. Webcamming is not new. It dates back to really the early days of commercial internet service. But it has continued to grow as other sectors of this industry have experienced painful revenue contractions. There's so many different ways of making your content and putting it out there. I kind of feel bad for the major studios. They're kind of getting left behind with the internet the way it is right now. That's Shannon Scott, who spoke with me at the Chatterbait booth. She's a mostly retired stripper who now relies on camming for most of her income. And like a lot of women representing the various camming platforms, she was actually camming on the floor of the expo from her booth. While she did make some money doing so, she didn't earn as much as she'd normally make working from home. A lot of my fans are surprised I have clothes on. Because usually when I camp, I just go right on in the buff. It's like, all right, flash this, flash that. Here you go, tatas. Have you been coming up with anything creative to work around that? Yes, actually. I've been having my fans on cam help me fix my pasties. Oh, a pasty's coming off. <laughs> she was far from the only cam performer occasionally violating the convention center's ban on nudity. But the performers seemed mostly compliant with the rule, using thongs, pasties, and body paint to entice their audiences. Though more than a few were fully dressed the entire time, which is actually what some customers prefer. I have a lot of viewers that just want to chat with me. They want me to put on my sneakers and my sweats, and they just want me to hang out and chat with them. No one really knows the actual numbers, but the global webcamming industry is widely viewed as a billion-dollar industry, and I wouldn't hesitate to call it a multi-billion-dollar market. According to the web-tracking gurus at Alexa, Live Jasmine is, as of this second, these numbers constantly fluctuate, but as of this second, Live Jasmine is the 327th most viewed website in the U.S. and the 272nd most visited in the world. Now that might not sound like much, but think about how many websites there are out there. 
Those numbers represent hundreds of millions of global visitors each month. Aside from a few porn tubes, I don't know of any other adult content providers who get more traffic or even come close to those numbers. And this is just one of many, 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 many camming platforms. The most popular porn site in the world is, of course, Pornhub. No one can compete with Pornhub. It ranks as the 61st most viewed site in the U.S. and 65th globally, as of this second, that is. The porn tubes were well represented at the expo, as were some porn studios that predate the commercial internet. There was something surreal about seeing these older companies occupying the same space as the tubes and cams and virtual reality porn producers. I spoke a while with Daniel Metcalf from Wicked Pictures, a major porn studio founded in 1993 that quickly took the industry by storm with the help of a performer you may have heard of named Jenna Jameson. Wicked still remains true to its uh, core mission of creating softer feature productions that are really more couples and female friendly. That's always been our goal and that's what we still provide today because it's what our audience wants and it also fulfills the needs of the international marketplace, our hotel deals and, and all the other markets where features are still you know, the bread and butter of adult entertainment. So there still is a big feature market out there. There is. I'm, I guess it's debatable whether you would call it a big market, but it's certainly still a niche market that never goes away because there are still you know, new couples all the time that where they want to experiment with adult entertainment, but they're maybe looking for something that feels more like a mainstream movie, but more erotic, and that's really where we come in. A huge part of the Wicked brand is porn parodies. Their film, Peter Pan Triple X, an Axel Braun parody, won four Avian Awards this year, including Movie of the Year. So even in this evolving marketplace, Wicked Pictures has managed to stay relevant. They've also broken into the sensual products market, as has Kink.com, the biggest name in BDSM porn, which recently launched Bondage Gear kink.com And we have everything from branded kink merchandise to restraints, leather, cock toys, clit stimulators, anything that you would find in any regular adult store we have. Uh, we pick the best of the best, and it's all available. That person, who I am embarrassed to say will go nameless because I failed to get her name, is in charge of kinks merchandising, but she began her association with the company as a makeup artist. And I was very curious about what that experience was like. Uh, most of it was behind the scenes. I didn't really work on set very much, but you hear enough to feel like you are on set, for sure. <laughs> and, but you spent some time on set. Every now and again, yeah. They'll be like, oh, the bruise is showing up. Come down right away. Please cover this up. Uh, so every now and again, you go touch up a cheek or two, but for the most part, it's all behind the scenes. Was that a little bit of a culture shock at first? You know, I would have expected it to be, and people always assume yes, but no. You know, for me, it was just, it's just a body. It's just makeup. It's really not a big deal. Um, I've never really been asked to do anything weird or out of, out of place, so I was fine with it. One thing about BDSM porn is there often is some bruising. But the great thing about kink.com is that they have intros and outros for their clips, which allow the viewer to get to know the performers and to clearly see that anyone who gets bruised 
during a kink shoot actually got off on getting bruised during that shoot. This nameless but still delightful kink representative also worked in the wardrobe department. And I was very happy to hear that her experience dressing kink performers lines up with the collaborative, performer-centric, organic image kink.com has cultivated for itself. Kink is really creative, and they like that all of their performers are very engaged in the process, and they kind of get to pick their own fantasies in a lot of times. So you're kind of catering to them, the performer, and to the director's taste at the same time. Uh, so yeah, it's it's super open. We did everything from like Peter Pan themed things to like Star Trek to like your just general run of the mill uniforms, um, and then you you know your every everyday like girl next door slut, <laughs> which is my favorite. <laughs> Mine too, and I guess everyone wants to give Peter Pan a pornographic makeover. Like any job, some days in the kink wardrobe department were easier than others. Day-to-day is, you know, it runs a gamut. A lot of it will be, you know, just selecting outfits from your usual cache of clothes. Uh, But every now and again, you do get those weird requests for things that are totally out of the ordinary. Hopefully, you find it. Sometimes those requests come in, like, last minute, and you're like, holy shit, where the fuck am I going to get a milkmaid outfit? Where, Where do I find that? Sometimes you just have to make it happen. Did you have to improvise with the milkmaid outfit? A lot, a lot. What did you end up doing for the milkmaid outfit? You know, I said milkmaid. I think it was actually milkman. (laughs) So we did find a, you know, just like all white. Uh, We did find a milkman hat. Um, Yeah, but a lot of it was, you know, we get a lot of our stuff from Forever 21. I hate to say it, they probably don't like that, but it's the truth. Forever 21 provided a lot of wardrobe for kink.com. And the good Christian folk at Forever 21 are just going to have to live with that. Kink is also broken into the world of virtual reality porn. They are currently beta testing kinkvr.com, and the content is free for the moment. So if you are an Oculus Rift or Samsung VR gear user, I suggest checking out what they have to offer at kinkvr.com. VR technology was prominently on display at the expo. Most revolved around just watching porn in a new, more immersive way. But there was at least one exception. Here's Holodex co-founder, Craig Alguire. And yes, that's Holodex with three X's at the end. Holodex is a virtual reality adult video game. Uh, it's super high quality. Um, it features the top names in the industry. They've all been 3D scanned. Um, there's a full performance capture. Um, and they're completely interactive and customizable. So it gives you a chance to get one-on-one with your favorite porn stars. So is it a headset as well or is it just the game? It's just the game. We sell the software. It's compatible with all of the popular headsets, um, and we're thinking about even releasing it for normal screens in the future as well. And how did this come about? Uh, well, Morgan and I come from the video game industry. Actually, we've worked on some of the, the biggest games out there, um, and we actually branched off to do 3D scanning uh, for more of like the mainstream market. And in doing so, it just made total sense that we get such a, a great 3D model out of our system that, hey, why not take their clothes off and why not try it with porn stars? That can't not work, so that's what led us here. This is our first time at the show. We're, we're still a pretty new company to all this stuff. So this is your first foray into the world of porn? Absolutely, yes. How has it been? 
Uh, actually, it's been it's been pretty amazing. Um, you know, this thing has garnered a lot of attention for us thus far. Uh, Vice did a little documentary about us a couple weeks ago. Um, people, you know, in, we're from Toronto, Canada. This is Las Vegas, and people are coming up to me asking, "Are you in that Vice documentary with Tori Black the other week?" It's like, oh my God, this thing is like worldwide. And the reaction has been positive across the board. Friends, family, you know, coworkers, everyone's really excited about it. What is surprised you? Uh, honestly, the, I think that that positivity, not to necessarily believe the stigma surrounding it, but there definitely is a stigma, and it's pretty much unfounded in my eyes. Everyone has been incredibly nice, down to earth, honest, and professional. Um, every star we've worked with has been probably one of the coolest people we've ever we've ever met, ever worked with. It's it's been. Nothing but positivity so far. So the stars come to you guys and get body scanned? Yep, yep. So, so far everyone's been from LA. Uh, we fly them to Toronto um, and we spend a full day scanning. We do a, a full body scan. We do about 40 to 50 head scans. Um, and then we do some green screen for, uh, filming. So basically we, we film them in order to drive the face of their 3D avatar. So we have some technology that marries the two together. Um, and the result is basically a 3D model that looks, acts exactly like they do. Um, because essentially it is them, just a digital version. The sex is like simulated. Like they don't, do they have sex in the U3D yet? Or it's just like you 3 d just their bodies and then make their new bodies do all kinds of interesting things? Exactly. So yeah, we basically just scan them in a, in a couple of standard poses just for the, for the technical side of things. Um, we then apply motion captured animation onto that you know, virtual person. Um, so we film, yeah, they're just the motion of the things after the fact. It could really be anybody that does the motion for it. Um, and we do plan on having full-blown, like, sex experiences with, with all these porn stars. You know, we've been talking with some toy companies the last couple of days that really want to push this boundary because essentially adult video games haven't existed in any true sense until now. Um, and they see a lot of potential for, you know, combining you know, sort of like, a, like an automatic flashlight or some sort of uh, dildo device that actually registers what's being inserted and then transmitting data to and from the game so that essentially what's going on on the screen you'll feel through the flashlight or through whatever device. I believe someone here has, is showing that kind of technology for like live cams and that kind uh, of There's thing. like Kiru, I think, is one of them. It's got like a teledildonics, like long-distance remote masturbation devices. Uh, V-Stroker is another one that's been doing a lot of stuff. Um, there's a few in the Asian market now that are popping up. So it seems like, you know, if this industry didn't exist much currently, it's going to be pretty big. Do you see the technology continuing to evolve? Do you have any predictions for like, where this is all going? I think in two years, we're going to look back and see this as primitive, even though technically right now it's the pushing the boundaries. Um, it's, it's just so hard to predict what that future will look like. Um, you know. For us, we're looking to integrate things like multiplayer, um, you know, being able to play as the opposite sex and possibly interact with somebody else that you've never met before, and they might be their own sex or not. So this idea of like, you know, virtual sexual experiences, you know, swapping genders and everything else, I think that sort of experimentation is where the future is going to lie, and it, it's pretty exciting. It's not clear when holodecks will be available, but it is expected sometime this year. You can learn more at holodex.com. The technology he referenced that adds genital stimulation customized to fit the visual sounds futuristic, but that technology has been around for a while. If you've seen the pilot for HBO's real sex reboot, Sex Now, you're familiar with Real Touch, 
which dates back to at least 2008. But as of 2014, it's actually been yanked from the market due to a licensing dispute. There are other commercially available products that do the same thing. These products are often referred to as teledildonics or cyberdildonics. In addition to the companies Craig-listed, Fleshlight, among others, sell a variety of teledildonics. Like Craig from Holodex, the virtual reality porn producers I spoke with plan to incorporate teledildonics into their content at some point in the not-too-distant future, but they're not there yet either. The two companies I spoke with were Hollow Girls VR and VR Bangers. Of course, both companies boasted about having the best content and being better than their competition, which is why I enlisted the help of Shayla to get to the bottom of who was correct. But before we arrive at that dramatic reveal, let's hear a little more about Hollow Girls VR. We shoot our own content with our own special rig, and we edit them with our own software and our own style. Some things that we can't share, obviously. Um, but we believe our content right now, compared to all the other ones, are the best, not just in quality, but in star power as well. Because, man, we have a big roster of really top-notch girls. Um, I, I saw Sasha Gray is one of them. Who, who else have you worked with? Um, we have, well, I mean, like, in terms of female talents, we have Annika Albright, we have Caden Cross, we have uh, Cherie DeVille, we have um, Brett Rossi, just a couple of few. Romy Rain is in this, um, Abella Danger. One of the key things we research by watching other people's content is we notice that theirs give us motion sickness. And we've created a way that we call, just call it no sick. And we promise you, if you watch this for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, you're not going to feel nauseated. Your eyes are not going to cross. I accept that challenge. Give it a go, yeah. Sit down. You know what? Sit down and watch this during our site. All our scenes are like 20 to half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour long anyway. So give it a go, yeah. So, so just one scene would prove it, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Try it. And so this is, this feels like the future, but it's yep. now. How, how new is this technology? Um... The tech for watching VR is not that new. I mean, everybody remember a couple of years ago when the Oculus guys first started in Kickstarter and then they got purchased by Facebook for like a billion and a half dollars. So it's in the works for a while, but there's a lack of content. And history has always proven one thing is that porn pushes technology, right? With, with VHS, with DVDs, with Blu-rays, it's always been porn. Porn purchases it. Online payment system. Exactly, with streaming even. Yeah. Right? There's no YouTube without, without the streaming porn. So... So, uh, yeah, we're, we're leading this charge head-on this time. Because next year, when we do this booth again, we want it to be much bigger. Is this your first year here at the Expo? Yes. And I, I feel like that's the same with a number of the other companies. Exactly. So it feels like yeah. this is just starting to Yeah, really it's all coming at the same time. But we, we have a big booth right in the center, right? Because we constantly have the star power, and they're all coming by. Their website is hollowgirlsvr.com. But let's talk about VR bangers. They are a great example of just how new all of this is. Uh, we actually launched our website last week. So yeah, it's pretty fresh. But don't let their website's freshness fool you. It's the byproduct of two years of hard work. And we actually stream all our content. So you don't have to download any videos onto your cell phone and 
and uh, have a lot of space, you know, from that download. So we pretty much stream it all on our website. You get a headset from us. Uh, it comes with a membership. You put your smartphone, uh, iOS or Android, and boom, that's it. And it pretty much it also works with uh, tablets, desktop, Oculus, and all the other you know devices out there. If you use the VR Bangers luxury headset, which is very nice, you actually put your cell phone into it. But it doesn't feel like you're watching a video on a phone at all. It's fully immersive and really transports you into the film, like virtual reality is supposed to do. As of when we spoke, they had 15 films available, with more coming out this month. In addition to monthly memberships, they also offer a pay-per-view option. It's actually 99 cents, and you can pretty much watch one video for 24 hours. Uh, plus, we have different kind of memberships, $15, uh, $40, and $100. And uh, those mem memberships include two types of headsets. One is a luxury one, and one is a cardboard. But enough dicking around. I promised you a verdict on which provider is better, and I'm going to deliver on that pledge momentarily. The clip you heard toward the top of the show of Shayla enjoying her VR experience. This is good stuff. Was recorded when she had the VR bangers headset on. Here she is soaking in what Hollow Girls VR has to offer. This is pretty intense, actually. I, I wouldn't say it feels futuristic, but it does feel like something new. Like, I don't know that I've seen something. Because, you know, I feel like people do POV cameras where they try to make it so that it seems like you're you're the person that's being whatever whatever's happening to. But this actually looks like it. This No, this is good. If I were a guy, I think this would be great. You should watch this one. So with Hollow Girls VR, Shayla felt that men would enjoy it, but she didn't exactly enjoy it herself, other than perhaps the novelty of it all. But with VR bangers, she was pulled in further. This one is good because it feels like, like the perspective that I'm looking at, that this girl is actually on top of me. More than the other one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I have to look up to look into her face. I have to look down to look down at my crotchal zone. My crotchal zone, you know, my weenus. Both companies make POV scenes where you, the viewer, have a body you can look down at that comes equipped with chiseled abs and a thick porn star dick. But both Shayla and I agreed that VR Banger's product felt more real. It also had higher resolution. And one of their films I viewed was full 360. I love the fact that I could see toned fuck bunnies going at it in front of me and then look to my left and see more hotties boning and then look behind me and surprise, surprise, there's more sex happening in this virtual fuck palace. So yes, VR Bangers wins Sex With Strangers' first annual VR porn off with a record 100% of the vote. Congratulations, guys. But of course, that's just 100% of two. So if you're interested in virtual reality porn and you have a headset, why not check out both of them and some of the other options as well? If nothing else, it will be an interesting experience. I'm looking forward to tracking the impact VR, teledildonics, and other technological innovations have on the overall industry. Will they grow to dominate the porn world or simply become niche markets? 
Only time will tell. Specialized markets within porn have been important basically as long as there's been a real organized porn industry. In our current era of unprecedented access to free content, it's easy to see the financial incentives for providing very specific targeted content. But Michelle Austin, M2F trans porn star, director, and producer, has been confronted with some of the limitations inherent in catering to smaller audiences. She started in 2010 simply trying to work as a performer. Companies wouldn't hire me because at the time I was, I was a lot heavier than I am now. So when you're the BBW transsexual and a very small niche, and then you're a small niche in that, um, a lot of companies won't hire you. Size plays a big part. And that's how the whole company started, was so I could produce my stuff. And then I ventured out to other things. That company is Kenston Productions, which released its debut film, The Voluptuous Diva, starring and produced by Michelle Austin, in 2011. In 2014, she teamed up with F2M trans performer James Darling and created Trans Men Adventures, which was a huge success. And according to the film's website, it's the first full-length DVD of its kind featuring F2M trans men having sex with an M2F trans woman. That trans woman is, of course, Michelle herself, who made her directorial debut co-directing that film along with James Darling. Making Trans Men Adventures has definitely changed Michelle's career trajectory. I opened a site last year dedicated to FDM and straight porn. So that's what we've ventured into now. So basically we're, we're dominating the real small FDM market, which is for people if they don't know is female to male transsexual. So it's all women who become men. So it's a whole different world. That website is FTM.XXX which she launched with her real-life boyfriend and F2M performer, Dickie Johnson. What percentage of the market do you think, of like the trans market, do you think F2M represents? Like 1%. It really is. I mean, it's very small. It's like people come to me to find out things about F2Ms, and I've only been doing it for like two years now. So it's like a, people don't even know what trans men are. I mean, in reality, no one knows what a trans man is. I mean, I still have friends who are trans who freak out because my boyfriend and my partner, my business partner, is trans. So it's kind of like, you know, people are so shocked and go, how does that work? But it's not that hard. It's the same as a trans woman. How does it work? How does it work? Uh, they, take, they take testosterone and become handsome men and really fast and easy, whereas trans women, it's a little bit harder to transition. Testosterone does amazing things to guys really fast. Also... Being a trans man, you're getting you getting rid of your tits, whereas we have to grow them or we have to buy them. So it's kind of like, it takes a little while. I have a feeling that Michelle and Dickie will continue to find success in expanding the reach of the tiny F2M trans porn market. We just released his first DVD called Dickie Johnson's Misadventures. And he has sex with cis men, trans men, trans women. So he's doing everything. 
just a, a pansexual adventure. Yes, basically, yes. Yeah, he's very into whatever. And you're still performing, right? I'm still performing. Um, I'm currently working on uh, Trans Men 3. We just shot for that the other day, and then I'm doing another um, release called f Hunter. So, and in, in these titles, you're having sex with trans men? Yes, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I, before I met a trans man, I never had sex with a trans man. Now I have sex with all the trans men. So I guess it's kind of funny because I'm kind of a tranny chaser. So in a different way. <laughs> Do you find that surprising? Did you expect to? No, I didn't expect it at all because I'd never been around a woman's parts at all. So for me, I grew up really nothing. Never had a desire, never wanted to. And then, then you have... Then you have the sex with a man who has a vagina and the world changes. <laughs> like For so long I've been with cis men and cock is all I've ever had. So now I have no desire for that. And Really? You're, you're done with cock? <laughs> it's not that I'm done with it. It's just, I just, I, you know what it is? Is that I just, I guess because I spent so long sticking things in my butt that I don't want anything in my butt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there you go. So that's maybe why. And it's it's a whole different world. It's just, it changes everything, being with a trans man. Having that other person that just understands you and doesn't judge you is a big thing. Because you're in the same boat. Yeah, you're in the same boat. And it just connects you in a way that you couldn't be connected with a cis person. Because the cis person, even though they may be an ally, they still don't understand it like another trans person does. One thing we have to touch on when talking about trans porn is the use of language. The AVN Awards themselves use the term transsexual in the relevant categories. That's an antiquated term that conflates sexuality with gender, but there are far less PC words that they could have used. That being said, the makers of the winning film in that particular category gave zero fucks about political correctness and named their film this. There's a separate award show for trans porn called the Transgender Erotica Awards, but the 2015 awards were the first ceremony with that name. Prior to that, they were called the Tranny Awards. Michelle hosted the 2010 awards, and when she got the opportunity once again to address the audience at the ceremony last year, she focused on this topic of language. I kind of just came out and just talked about names and what they mean and how a lot of us don't really care. And a lot of us girls don't care. You're walking into this industry knowing what you're getting yourself into. Keywords have to be something people sell. Shemail is like one, the number one keyword when looking for transsexual porn. So you have to have that. It's just like I, it's like I have to create keywords for FTM porn because there's really nothing out there. And basically I say men with pussies or manginas or man pussies. And some trans guys can be very offended by that. But the reality is, is that shemal porn is selling a chick with a dick and FDM porn is selling men with pussies. So it's like, you got to give your audience what they're looking for. And the key terms are there just for that sense. It's, it's not like someone comes up to you and goes, hey, shemal or hey, tranny. I mean, your friends in some circles may do tranny. I mean, 
Where I'm from, that's in terms of endearment, so it's never been an issue with me. But to people it is, but it never has been, ever. So language is, you know what, I just don't want to be called him. I don't want to be called him or it. That's it. Other than that, you can call me whatever you want to call me. It ain't bothering me. I spoke with Tyra Scott and Kelly Claymore a bit more about this topic. They each spent much of the expo at a booth representing... Female strokers. And I think it's telling that when I brought up language and word choices to Tyra, she made this sound. Ugh. Sometimes a visceral sound like that can be worth as many words as a picture. I don't understand it. I mean, I guess I've been around this way too long. Um, I mean, but in my opinion, this is porn. So those are names that are, you know essential to what the brand is. Tranny porn, shemon porn, those are things that are, someone's not going to go to Google and type in transgenderedstrokers.com. Who's going to do that? I mean, it's a lot to type, first of all. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to get off real quick, who the hell is going to type all those letters in? I mean, come on, people. You know, but... I think if someone yelled out something like that to me, if I'm in the mall with my husband or my family, I would probably get upset and I'd probably, you know, say something. But when it comes to this, I don't, whatever. Say whatever you want. I want to put on my stuff, whatever's going to bring you to watch it, okay? And here's Kelly Claymore. In the end of the day, I'm here to make money and sell my brand. And, you need to be found. Right, and, uh, you know text on a computer screen is not going to make or break my day. Like, it's not a big deal to me. It's, I don't know. I, I'm not very sensitive, though. <laughs> are there people in this part of the industry, you know, who are sensitive about those terms? Yeah, no, it's it's a very, it's kind of split the, if you can even call it a community, it's split it right down the middle. It's probably the biggest thing right now and has been for about six months when it all started to blow up. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a wedge is being driven because uh, there's I, I feel like this might sound wrong, but I feel like I'm on the business side of the wedge and the others are on the feeling side of the wedge. So <laughs> take with that what you will. But I mean, business over feeling. exactly. I'm here to make money and I enjoy running my own company. If that's the worst part of it, so be it. <laughs> that company is Claymore.XXX. You can find links at sexwithstrangershow.com for all of the performers and companies featured in this episode. I'm also linking to an Exo Jane article by Chelsea Poe, who performs in trans porn, taking the exact opposite position, so you can get that perspective as well. The booth next door to where I talked to Tyra and Kelly also had a name that could definitely offend some people. It was for a BBW site called ScaleBustinBabes.com, and two of those babes were kind enough to chat with me. I'm Angel DeLuca, Lila Lovely. Angel has been in the business going on seven years, and Lila has only been working for about a year. They met each other on set and immediately became friends. We screwed one time, you know. <laughs> orgy, and we met, we met in an orgy. And we hit it off and we were like, hey, hey you've got big boobs. You got big boobs. We should be like best friends. Yeah. Bosom buddies. Hey, with women though, it's a it's a it's a hit and miss with women because you can tell immediately by meeting a a woman, another woman, if you like her or not right off the bat. Right off the bat, because some women are a little crazy. (laughs) 
We can handle men. <laughs> Lila's lucky to have befriended a veteran performer so early into her career. A veteran who can give her advice, like... Don't be a pushover. Don't do something that you're not willing to do just because it's for money. If you're not comfortable, don't do it. I, I, I would say I'm pretty successful and I don't swallow and I don't do anal. And most porn stars do. So I'm, I'm like, it's more so on you and who you are and just to be you and not try to be someone you're not. Lila agrees with that general philosophy, but has different thoughts about anal. Exactly. We were actually joking our first scene because I was like, I don't do anal, but she was like... I was like, I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I'm pro-anal. <laughs> I'm pro-anal. So, but, you know... What do you love about anal? What do I love? Um, I just... I, I, I'm submissive, so I kind of just really love, like, that whole dominance feeling. It's, it's kind of like the ultimate in dominance, in a way, you know? I often like to ask people about the highlights and lowlights of their time working in the adult entertainment industry. Here's Angel's low light. I was shooting for a company and it was a boy-girl scene and he uh, forgot to tell the cameraman that he was ready. So he, you know, did his thing. Cameraman didn't catch it, so he had to do it again. And the second time, all in my eye. Oh. I was so mad. <laughs> so mad. Now I laugh about it, but then it burned. Stop getting it in our eyes. <laughs> Yes, avoid our eyes. Stop getting it up our noses. I don't know why the hair, especially the hair, <laughs> that it gets so gross. It is like the, I'd have to say that would be my top thing. It, that it just grosses me out. I'd say the biggest thing that a male talent should be doing is doing nothing but listening to the female talent and feeling our comfortability and our body language towards them and the communication. I would give them out of a 10, I'd give them about an eight and a half. An eight and a half isn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's higher than those of us outside of the industry might assume it would be. I also have to say, I found it really interesting especially in light of what we just heard from the trans performers, how negative Angel and Lila feel about keywords like BBW. That would be the one thing I changed about the industry. No more titles. And I, I feel that we do just as good as the other girls, so we shouldn't be separated. Yeah, there, there shouldn't be a differentiation nope. because I have larger hips that, than that girl over there. You know, hey, we're, we like to eat, you know, okay? That's right. Yeah, uh, men have appreciation for all different things. I'd know? rather just be myself. Another performer I spoke with who takes issue with some of the ways the industry likes to categorize and separate people is Riley Reynolds. Interracial is still a separate category. Like you can't just have a black performer with white performers and just put it in a, the middle of a regular DVD because it is, it is regular. And I understand racialized fetishes are a thing, but it shouldn't only be that. They should just be able to play regular male roles. The other internalized bigotry that I had noticed is a fear of bisexual men. Bisexual women are 
accepted and pretty much all of the women in the industry are, but bisexual men are seen as being an AIDS risk. So it's really hard for a man who wants to be a crossover performer or even openly has any interest in experimenting with like, if his girlfriend wanted to put a finger in his ass, he would have to keep a secret about it because people might think it was too gay and treat him differently. And he might have trouble getting booked. But there is plenty she likes about the business as well. My favorite thing about the industry is the amount of other sex-positive, sex-obsessed perverts I get to hang out with and get creative with. We come up with all these fun, kinky ideas and we work together because sex is a creative process and I think people don't appreciate that enough. What's the most creative scene that comes to mind that came out of this kinky imagination explosion that you're talking about? I tell you what, one of my favorite ones I did was a scene I shot with Bear Maidens that's also available in my clip store that is actually a high fantasy scene where I'm playing an elf with my human friend and we're exploring in the, you know, in the captain's office and everything is time period furniture. It feels like medieval and then we end up having a threesome with a soldier who comes in and catches us. When do you get to do this? This is like a fan fiction I would have read and masturbated to when I was a kid. Is that your favorite part about performing just sort of the taking it to a, a place that's like would be a fantasy for you in your regular life and just being able to get paid for it? Yes, I'm here to live my fantasy. You know, I came to porn from swinging. I was someone who was really into sexual experimentation and I was at Burning Man at this sex orgy in a tent like you do at Burning Man and I thought, my God, this should be my job. I do these sex parties all the time. Why can't I do this for a living? Stigma? Who gives a fuck? I need to live my life for me. And so how long from that orgy at Burning Man to you're on a professional porn set? I took six months to do some research before I jumped right in because I wanted to make sure I didn't get exploited and that I was safe. In doing that research, what kind of things surprised you? I didn't really find a lot of surprises in my research. It was just a lot of new information. Like, usually new girls start in Florida where there are more amateur-oriented companies, and then they go to L.A. I just looked into some of the uh, some of the agencies, some of the experiences other people had had, tried to get in touch with anyone I knew who had even dabbled in porn. And did you go the Florida route, or how did you get started? I did. I started on a Florida trip. I stayed down there for a month, was on the bang bus, did some mofos. It was a lot of fun. And what, what advice would you have to someone who maybe just did an orgy of their own in their, in their private life and are thinking, you know, maybe I should take a stab at porn? What should they do? What's their first step? I tell you what, if you're a guy, just run away. The industry isn't what it used to be. You're paid less than we are. It's a tough, tough road ahead. If you're a girl, keep your head on your shoulders, do your research, and if there's anything that makes you uncomfortable or it seems fishy, it probably is. Do what you want to do and what you're comfortable with. Don't let anyone tell you, you must do this or your career is over. You can define yourself. There are so many ways with the internet that you can build a porn career, whether it's a clip store, a webcam, acting in mainstream, you can do what you want to do. Don't let anyone tell you different. Have you had to do that in your career? Say, no, fuck off, I'm not going to do that? Oh yeah, everyone has to put their foot down sometimes.
The documentary Hot Girls Wanted, currently available on Netflix, aims to show the dark side of this pro-amateur porn world, largely based out of Miami, that Riley mentioned. It's a film that was shot with a clear anti-porn agenda. It was produced by Rashida Jones, who recently made some comments about the porn industry that illustrate this bias. But I do think any woman considering making a trip out to Florida to work in this industry should watch Hot Girls Wanted. Hopefully, at the very least, it will motivate you to do more research and think about what kind of performer you'd like to be and what kind of work you want to avoid. Throughout the second half of the film, I found myself wishing Riley or Angel would make a cameo to give these women some advice. Don't be a pushover. Don't do something that you're not willing to do just because it's for money. If you're not comfortable, don't do it. That's a good rule of thumb for everyone, regardless of your chosen industry. Unfortunately, it's often easier said than done. So that's not to blame anyone who finds themselves not successfully following that advice. But the more you know about your given industry, the more prepared you will be to make these kind of decisions and resist the temptation to do something you might regret just to avoid making a fuss. There's plenty of thoughtful criticism of Hot Girls Wanted posted across the internet, and you can find links to some of those articles at sexwithstrangersshow.com. Again, I think it's a flawed film that's worth checking out nonetheless. Another performer I spoke with who decided to enter the porn business after discovering a love for sex parties is Lacey Starr. Like Riley, Lacey has been in the business for about two years, but there's a bit of an age difference between the two. Because Lacey is a gilf performer. And yes, that stands for Grandmother I'd Like to Fuck. She also used to be a psychotherapist. And I've just had so much fun. Um, I've been able to shoot with lots of really gorgeous young men and women. Had loads of fun, so I'm not looking back. I'm loving it. <laughs> so, so you were a psychotherapist? Yes. For how long? Uh, for about 20 years. So I, I trained as a psychotherapist, an art psychotherapist, and um, I've worked with every genre there is of, you know, people with, you know, serious mental health issues. So... I kind of, you can have enough of problems. Um, but I love it because this industry is all about people. So my people skills are just perfect for it. And, and it's great. I, I just love it. Yeah, it's really fun. Do you miss it at all or no? You, you just haven't looked back? No, I don't miss it. And I'll do this as long as I'm having fun. And when it stops being fun, I'll do something else. I'll probably be a sex therapist or something like that. <laughs> Well, in the UK, it is very, uh, very buoyant, actually. It's a really good genre full of very sexy ladies who have a lot of confidence sexually and they know what they're doing and they've chosen it as a lifestyle. They're really up for it and they're filthy. They are. They're really filthy and they love it. Does your background as a psychotherapist inform how you navigate this industry? It does a lot, yeah. It, it, it means that I can kind of... Uh, understand people and what they want, uh, particularly guys, uh, girls as well. Um, it means you can kind of weigh up somebody who has integrity or not, which is a very good one. Has anyone tried to pull a fast one on you? Oh yes. Oh definitely yes. <laughs> Many times. But um, there's nice ways of telling people 
to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, no, I don't really want to shoot with you again because, you know, that wasn't really my. <laughs> you know, there's always nice ways of telling people. But yeah, it really is helpful. Really is helpful. And I also means that I have a lot of empathy for people who are struggling in the. You know, because it's. You know, it's a, it's a business has has all levels. And there are some people who struggle. They're doing it for lots of different reasons. And I kind of find people are drawn to me and I can kind of chat with them and, you know, because because it's my lifestyle choice. Young girls, you can kind of chat to and, you know, make sure that they're, you know, having a lot of fun. And, you know, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Has anything surprised you about the industry? Oh, I'm surprised all the time. Yes, definitely. I love it. I've met so many people here that have surprised me. Um, in good ways. Yeah, in really good ways, really good ways. Um, it's fantastic. I love it. And I love being an advocate for the more mature genre. And I've seen some wonderful adult models here. Great. Someone was telling me they're doing a brand new sexercise video. Uh, and they're 65 or something. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. I wish Lacey a long, fun, and lucrative career as a professional gilf and then as a kick-ass sex therapist. Yasmin DeLeon is another performer I spoke with who has a professional interest in therapy. In fact, she plans to leave porn in the next year or so to pursue a career in physical therapy. She's been in this business for six years, but she waited quite a while before she had sex with a man on camera. When I first started, I was only doing solos because I wasn't sure if pornography was something I wanted to go forth with. So it took me a while to just really get comfortable with my body. So solos just felt like a, less of a commitment? Uh, more so, I'm like, okay, this is like webcam. That's how I looked at it. So you started out that way, um, and then four years ago, three years and some change ago, you decided, like, we're going all in, we're doing boy-girl stuff. Yes. I was an extra on a set, an actual porn set, and I seen the whole process of how porn's made, and just, it's not as bad as people made it seem. And I seen... What surprised you about what you witnessed versus what you were expecting? It looked fun, like, you know, on porn it looks like, oh my god, she's getting killed, but in reality it's like, it just looks that way. It's like they're not really killing us while we're... we're... I hope not. No. That'd be a problem. So, now you do a lot of boy-girl scenes. Yes, right? I do. And do you like it? I love it. So, do you feel like, damn, I should have started doing this years ago? Yes, I did. Like, even before I started, I'm like, I should have started, like, after high school. <laughs> and what other things have surprised you about the industry over the last six years? It's gotten filthier. It's gotten filthier? Yes. Way filthier. In what ways? Um, there's a lot of girls throwing up, and their butts are flowering when they do anal. <laughs> so it's a, lot of, it's, a, it's a lot nastier than it used to be. Like that? Um, it's not my cup of tea, but I have friends that like doing that, and it's like they're entertainers. We gotta give everybody what they like. What advice would you have to someone who's just getting started? I just talked to someone who's been in the industry for six months. What would you say to her? Um, this is something you really gotta like. Okay, do I want to do anything else in my life? If you really, because at the end of the day, pornography is like stuck with you forever. So you have to be prepared to not be able to. Have the same friends, 
you're gonna have to worry about acceptance. You have, it's like you have to basically be strong. You can't let other people's judgment affect what you love and you like to do. And you have to love sex in order to be in this business. Do you feel judged by most people in the world? Um, yeah, I get a lot of social media hate. What kind of things do people say? Oh, you're pretty, but your pussy must be loose. Like, why do you give me a compliment and an insult and the same thing? Like, you're a guy too. And it's guys that do it to me. I don't understand. Like, maybe they have, like, mom issues, but... It's mostly the guys that say shit like that. And it's just like random guys. Yeah, like. Find you on social media. Like it'll be a random picture for like ten weeks ago or something. But mind you, I just posted a fresh new picture, but they'll go like ten weeks ago and talk shit. Like why? And how do you handle that? If I'm in the mood, I'll entertain it and talk shit. But if not, I just block them and erase their comment. Cause I mean, you can't feed in the bad energy. I mentioned that I talked to a number of people at the expo who have been in the business for less than a year. Jojo Kiss, who's been doing porn for around nine months, was definitely one of the more colorful examples. She was wearing a nun's habit when we spoke. Well, my inspiration was Jesus. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I just, I've always found like the taboo aspect of like a nun. I just thought it's so sexy, you know? So I just wanted to... I bought a habit and then decided to walk around and basically nothing. Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's hot. Like, if I saw a video of, like, a two girls or something in a porno as nuns, like, that would be so sexy. So, yeah. <laughs> She's also one of the youngest people I spoke with. Well, when I was 16, 17-ish, I was like, I want to do porn. I want to do porn. And I turned 18, I contacted an agent, and I started working in Florida. After working in Florida for a while, I got enough money, moved out here to California, and then I decided I needed an agency that was based in California, so I switched to OC. I have no idea how many scenes I've done. It could be like, it could be 40, it could be 100. Like, I'm not even sure. <laughs> I have no idea how many people I've had sex with at this point. <laughs> but that fact doesn't seem to phase her. I love the fact that my schedule is flexible, that I could show up, meet a sexy person for the first time ever, fuck them and go home and not have to text them, not have to get feelings involved, not have to be like, well, what did they think about me? Like, it's just, it's so no strings attached. It's so easy. And there's, if you aren't in porn and there's a girl that you want to have sex with, you have to kind of, you can't just say, hey, I want to have sex with you, but just be friends. I don't want to do anything else. You can't do that. But in porn, you can, because that's what we're all there for do. We're just there to fuck and have fun, and I love that. I have learned that a lot of people, there's some people you got to stroke their egos a little bit, some people you can be really real with, but there's a lot of um, opinions in this. In any industry, there's a lot of opinions, and you have to hear all these opinions constantly and they're you know they're complete opposite from each other so you really gotta i've learned to stay true to myself and to do what feels right for me and not to listen to anybody else because i might listen to this person's brilliant advice but this other person who's also brilliant gives me the exact opposite advice do any examples come to mind? 
mean, you know, you have people that say, don't wait, do everything, do IR, do gangbang, do everything right now. And then you have people that say, no, don't do it for two whole years, don't even do anal, don't, you know, it's just everybody, like, that's like the first thing that comes to my mind. But even that, like, how to run my career, like, don't do IR, don't, do, you know, and it's just like, I just do whatever feels best for me. So do you have kind of like a schedule figured out? Like I'm gonna, one year from now, I'm gonna do this kind of scene for the first time. I have like a, a basic idea, but like a little bit of a timeline, but it's very rough. Like it's it's not specified at all. It, it kind of can happen whenever it happens. I know I'm going to do anal on camera eventually. Um, I'm not sure exactly when, but I do know that is something that will happen. IR stands for interracial. And I think that last clip gives you a sense of what Riley Reynolds was talking about earlier when she mentioned how much she dislikes the way porn culture treats interracial sex. It's definitely antiquated and kind of bizarre. It feels wrong to say this in 2016, but it's a big deal when a white or Asian or Latina performer shoots her very first scene with a black man. The first time she does anal is also a huge deal. And it's not entirely shocking when you think about the role taboos play in porn. Unfortunately, interracial sex, particularly the idea of white women and black men, is still taboo in the US and internationally. Porn did not create this taboo, but it does probably play a role in perpetuating it. The performer I referenced earlier during my conversation with Yasmin, who's been in the industry for only six months, is Daisy Monroe, and Daisy has a plan in mind when it comes to anal and interracial on-camera sex. So I actually have an anal timeline and I have an IR timeline. Uh, my anal timeline will be, um, I'd say within the next year, and then IR will come um, right after anal. Why is that? Longevity. Um, I don't want to come into the industry, do everything right off the bat, and then um, get shot out and kind of get burnt out. So I'm taking the small steps so that I can kind of make my career last a little bit longer. Is that advice you got from someone? Yeah, my smartness. <laughs> um, no, I just, I'm, I'm pretty like business savvy, I think. So I just kind of, I think I know like the right steps to go about doing it. So for me personally, I just does, don't think it makes sense to do everything right away. Some girls, it works for them. Um, but for me, I think taking it like a little bit slower will be better. Her website is thedaisymonroe.com because... A fan bought my fucking domain. So if someone owns daisymonroe.com, please contact me and give me it back. Interracial and anal debuts can result in nice payouts. Here's former performer and current porn agent, Bella Rocks. And yes, that is Rocks, as in R-O-X-X-X. You know, especially a girl's first time interracial or first time anal scene, um, they can get paid very big money for that. Very big money for that, depending on the girl. Um, with a certain, What's the range? They can get anywhere from like $2,000 to $8,000 for an anal or an interracial, just depending on the girl. And usually it'll be like a package deal, like a few of the shoots or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of money to be made out there. And, you know, but the girls, there's so many girls coming into the industry that you've got to find something unique about yourself and brand yourself and market yourself because 
that that's what it's all about because you've got to make yourself stand out from all the other girls. You could be the prettiest girl in the room, but if you don't have something that's going to make you stand out from the crowd, you're going to get lost. You're going to get lost and your your career life, your shelf life is going to be shorter. And my job as an agent is to try to make that shelf life as long as I can and and to try to help the girls find their way and find what's unique about them and help them brand themselves. So I, I really love my job just because I get to give back, you know, from being a performer in the industry, being so good to me over the years, like I get to give it back to my girls. And my girls have an edge over any other agency girls because I'm one of the few girls that, that has done it all before that's an agent. There's a couple other, I don't know much about them, but I know I'm the only female agent in Florida. And I know like my, my girls definitely have an edge. So we're very proud of them. Bella represents Farrah Valentine, who you may remember as the performer with just 22 days of experience in the industry. Yeah, Farrah Valentine's going to be a huge name. I, 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 I very much suspect that she will be up for Best New Starlet next year. Um, we're very proud to like, like Trillium over here started with me. She's up for Best New Starlet. We have two other girls, Kate England um, and uh, Hope Harper, um, all up for Best New Starlet. So we're with a fabulous LA company here. You know, 101 modeling, and then I'm adult star makers in Florida. So, you know, I just came here to represent some of my girls, like back them up and, and see some of my old girls that I represented, you know, two, three, four years ago. So it's really exciting. And how many girls do you represent? Um, well, over the last four years, probably about 400 girls I've represented. So, like, we're the top agency in South Florida. And, you know, with my partner, AMA modeling, um, you know, that we, we work as a team. Like, he was my porn agent, you know, when I came into porn. Bella has been in the industry for 34 years, and it doesn't sound like she's slowing down anytime soon. She often scouts for talent on camming sites and at strip clubs. She found Zoe Parker on my free cams just one week after she started camming. So I didn't even know what I was doing. I had like one toy. I mean, it was like a, bu a buzzy little vibrator, but I mean... I got scouted and here I am, so I'm living the world dream. Has anything about the industry surprised you? How professional it is. It really, like, whenever I came over here the first time, I kind of thought it was going to be some pervy dudes, like, jacking off behind the scenes, you know? But no, everybody treats you really well, and it's really professional, so I was surprised by that alone. Do you have any other misconceptions about the industry? Yeah, like, STDs and all that, I thought it was dirty and, like, I'm going to catch something. But um, I was reassured by the talent testing, so we test, I mean, every two weeks, I believe. So it's relatively safe, so I was reassured by that as well. And coming with an agent that's a woman and she's been in porn before, it just feels more comfortable being represented by her agency. Zoe recently quit her job as a pharmacy technician to pursue her career in porn. Another newer performer I spoke to was Catalina Mills. She was still adjusting to some of the physical demands of working in porn. I mean, before porn, I wasn't having sex with like the biggest guys ever. So that was uh, kind of hard to get used to. So I would like be sore and all that. I would struggle, like that would be a struggle. My body, like keeping physically okay for my scenes. Like what did you learn on how to prepare yourself for such big dicks on <laughs> Um, I've been, I've just learned to like be smart about it, like how you line them up and like have a, a day or two, you know, to like just rest because you can't push yourself too much. It's worse if you push yourself too much and then you're out 
then you just kind of like space everything out better and actually get it done. So it's just a matter of moderation? Right, being smart with it, uh, lining it up right. Like, don't have the biggest guy today and then a smaller guy tomorrow if you can have the smaller guy today and that to warm you up for tomorrow, you know? So it's like you line them up from smallest to <laughs> Yeah. It, yeah, if I can, if I know who the guy is, then absolutely. Um, if not, just like taking two days off, one day on, two days on, one day off, and so on and so forth. Some people gotta line up those dicks, but others have an easier time with this aspect of the job. Here's Savannah Stevens. They told me one guy was like six inches in girth and like, 11, like 12 inches long, but I wasn't paying, I asked after the fact and they told me, and I was like, oh, okay. All right, you know, cool. <laughs> but it, it intimidates some regular people. They're like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you don't know how much dick you can take until you try. Still, I'm, I'm serious though, is it really? Were you surprised by how much dick you could take? Um, a little surprised. I was pretty sure of myself, but I was a little, I was like, I was like pleasantly surprised, you know? Another performer eager to share some porn life hacks was Piper Perry. Oh, when girls are on their periods, uh, we put makeup sponges in. It soaks up the blood and the penis doesn't feel it. Crazy, right? You would never know. So if you're ever on your period, I mean, not that you would be, but anyone in general, and you got to get the booty, shoves that up there, you'll be good. At this point, Shayla chimed in off mic to get some additional information. Yeah, latex-free, like a little, not a beauty blender, but like, you know, the triangular... Old school makeup, yeah, those things. Latex free though. And have you started doing that in your personal life as well? Um, not really. I'm a freak and I get nasty, so just let it rain. And that's not the only thing Piper Perry has learned. I can like twerk on a dick now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I have no butt, but I can do it. Like what? Um, I've learned definitely how to please girls a lot more. So like I've always like was interested in girls, but like kind of shy, and I'm like. Oh, what if I like, what if I can't kiss her right? Or like, what if I can't touch her right? And now I'm like, yeah, come here, give it to me. Sit on my face. <laughs> do not do the ABCs. Secondly, pull the hood back and like, and like put, put, put the clit in your mouth like a cherry kiss and just like suck, su suction cup the clit, like the bottom where like, you know, the skin folds back and just like real quick wiggle your tongue. That's how you get girls to shake their legs. I taught her everything she knows. You may have noticed that this episode doesn't feature any male talent, other than the legendary Ron Jeremy, and that's because I didn't see any male porn performers when I was there, which is honestly more than fine with me. But Sarah Jesse, who's been in this business going on nine years, had some advice for any men who might be thinking about getting into porn. Don't get in an industry if you don't know how to fuck. <laughs> I've, I've worked with a few new ones. I'm like, dude, you know, like you should not be in the industry. But I guess they don't know until they try, because not everyone is good at fucking on camera, because it's a whole other thing than fucking in real life. Like, main difference is that there's a camera, there's a bunch of people in the room, you have to stay hard, you have to come when you're told to come, you can't come before. Like, it's for guys, it's so much dif more difficult. Another longtime performer, Carmen Valentina, told me she appreciates it when men show some emotion during scenes. So I had one guy, he just felt like fucking a robot. <laughs> Very mechanical. That wasn't 
one is fun. If we add up all of the time the various performers we heard from in this episode have spent in the porn industry, it's probably around 200 years. So I hope you learned some things from them. I certainly did. Another thing I learned is what kind of questions to avoid asking Farah Abraham. You may recall that she was at the expo promoting her new webcamming platform, Farah's Friends Live, which is... Friends with benefits at its finest. I think the biggest issue was that I didn't really know much about her. I just saw a celebrity and tried to get a sound bite. And it's pretty obvious in this exchange that I'm not particularly familiar with what's going on in her life right now. Are you having a good expo? I am having a good expo. It is exhausting how many people we're seeing, but I'm very happy. Like so many girls are signing up, so many fans came out and that's amazing. Fantastic. And as you saw, I'm tired. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> What's been the, the highlight thus far? I think the, the highlight is just, um, this is my first expo we're attending for FarahsFriendsLive.com. So that's the highlight. I just needed to see how it is in person, and it's been doing so amazing. And I'm happy about it. It's like a little baby. My baby's doing good. I I'm checking in on it. I assume you're nominated for something, right? No, I'm not really a part of any of that. I'm just here for business. That's why we're here in the business section, and that's my focus. Last year, I did the red carpet, did the awards, won awards. New levels, you're, you're new levels. That. Yeah, you're we're just, moving on. I'm happy you asked, so thank you. <laughs> So, so this biz, like now you're more of a, a businesswoman. I've always been game. a businesswoman. I think it's just many people don't understand, no, nor do they recognize. But I'm happy I get to talk about it sometimes. And otherwise, I'm what just. What don't they understand? What What are the misconceptions? About well, just her? like you were just like, oh, now you're a businesswoman. I've been a businesswoman for a very long time. But thank you. You're silly. Have a good night. That's Shayla laughing in the background. I have to say, now that I've done a bit of research on Farrah Abraham, I know that she sold her first film to Vivid Pictures for $1.5 million back in 2013 at the age of 21. So I don't think anyone should question her business acumen. I also have to say that even though that was kind of a testy encounter, both Shayla and I were quite taken with her, honestly. She's so much hotter in person, she's right? beautiful. I was going to actually tell her, but I was like, you know what? She's probably here at a lab, but I wanted to be like, you look really amazing right now. But I feel like she knows, but on TV, her face is just like, it's bulbous. You know? <laughs> it's got bulbs. It's interesting to like meet people who you're used to seeing on camera. Yeah. Um, even politicians, they always look a little bit different. And sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. <laughs> but with Farah, it's definitely... It's a lot better. Like, yeah, it's she a lot looks, better. Like, she's probably the most gorgeous person I've seen all day. She's up there, for sure. <laughs> you no, wouldn't I'm, say that, but you would No, no, I might. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, okay. I have to go through the catalog oh. of all the porn actresses I've seen today. Yeah. I mean, she's up there. She's... I Yeah, I would say that. Her body looks really great. Like... Yeah. I, I and, well, her. I know that she had a couple plastic surgery mishaps yeah, yeah, that yeah. she got fixed. So yeah. maybe this is not, maybe when we're thinking of what she, what we've seen her on TV, maybe she actually I does look better now. I saw her botched recently and she wanted <laughs> to get more stuff done and they're like, no, I think they said, no, leave your face as it is. And I think that's the same face. And it looks great. I'm pretty certain that's the same face that I saw on TV recently. <laughs> it's a good one. She should stick with that one. <laughs> stick with that face. Yeah. Farah. You'll never listen to this. <laughs> Let's stick with that face. Yeah, exactly.
In addition to the huge array of porn industry insiders, there were a lot of vendors promoting all kinds of things, including sex toys at the expo. The folks at Stockroom.com, for example, gave Shayla her first taste of erotic electro-stimulation. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Is that a good O or a bad O? Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like... I feel like you could get used to it and some really great things could happen. There was a super silly booth for CelebrityDildo.com. They sell dildos that look like David Beckham, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and LeBron James. But that's it. You get no more celebrities. If you could say one thing to LeBron James right now, what would you say? I'm going to sit on your face later. (laughs) LeBron, that's a promise. Speaking of face-sitting... There was one man at the expo dressed for that activity. He had a dildo strapped to his chin. And that was, of course, our beloved friend. Dr. Bender over. He was promoting his book, Sexual Words of Wisdom. And I'm pleased to say that I was able to coax him into sharing some of that sweet, sweet wisdom. Make your lady come first. Gotta do it. That's what it's all about. Then the man gets his turn. So that's the crux of the book? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I've got 40 real true-life adventure stories in my book that true and wild and crazy and funny and educational, you'll laugh your ass off. Get a copy of Sexual Words of Wisdom by Dr. Ben Durover. And that takes us to the 2016 AVN Awards. A number of the performers we heard from were nominated, but as far as I can tell, none of them actually won, sadly. But even getting nominated can help someone's career. Here's what Tyra Scott said about being nominated for Transsexual Performer of the Year. I mean, I think it helps in a way to keep you relevant and make you feel like, okay, the product I'm putting out is still a good quality product. So because if you're getting nominated for it, then you're doing good work. My favorite part of the awards ceremony actually was just hearing all of the fun porn titles. You've already heard Shayla's favorite title. My favorite title did not get nearly as much of an audience reaction, but I laughed my ass off. Most outrageous sex scene. Lee Alexis and Tommy Pistol in Nightmare for the Dairy Council. (laughs) I stand by that laughter. A lot of the best titles referenced butt stuff for whatever reason. There was Don't Tell My Wife I Ass Fuck the Babysitter, Alien Ass Party, and Rock and Roll in My Butthole 5. I also like the name Slurpy Throat Sluts 3. There was even a musical number featuring lyrics based on some of the more interesting titles of the year. And yes, you are about to hear porn stars Joanna Angel and Annika Albright singing.
hasn't been cuckolded by a carny. And yes, that song will be stuck in your head for the next few days. You're welcome. The award ceremony overall was a humorous affair. Joanna Angel and Annika Albright shared their hosting duties with comedian Kate Quigley. Waka Flocka Flame performed twice. They had a selfie stick that was a giant dildo, so they called it a selfie dick. There even was a fleshlight blimp that flew around the auditorium from time to time. But there were some serious moments as well. Paul Fishbein, one of the founders of AVN, who has since left the company, was honored with the AVN Visionary Award. And his speech was both political and defiant. I did not take a bullet like Larry Flint did while he was exercising his First Amendment rights to free speech. But I've watched for 34 years as the adult industry has taken bullet after bullet after bullet, and yet it still lives. The industry will always have its critics and its enemies, but the porn business will always be here. Thank you, everyone who talked to me, even those not included in this episode. Special thanks to Ames Bex for introducing me to Michelle Austin. Thank you, Sean Payne and Louis DeMeo, for your help on the show. Thank you, Shayla, for your many contributions to science and humanity. Thank you to Ben Jordan, the Flashbulb, for our theme music. I know this episode came out a bit late, but another one will be here in a couple of weeks about New York sex party culture. I talked to at least 20 people involved in that world when I was there last month, and I will have that episode ready for your ear holes as soon as I can get it done. So I'm going to go work on that right now. See you soon. That rapper wrecked my crapper. <laughs> oh, that rapper wrecked my crapper. And it's like, that could be pornographic, but it could also be like a Judge Judy episode. You know what I mean? Like, your toilet. Yeah, and now he needs to pay me for that toilet. Yeah, you got it. I got it. Slurpy Throat Sluts 3.